Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. My name is Kirsten. I serve on the equipping staff here, and we want to welcome you. We're glad you're worshiping with us this morning. If this is one of your first times with us, I want to draw your attention to a card in the seat in front of you. We would love for you to share some information with us so we could get to know you and share a little bit about the ministry here at Stonebridge. You can also text the word welcome to the number on the screen. On the back of that card is a place for prayer requests, and we would love for you to put your praises and prayers, and we would join you in lifting those up throughout the course of this week. You can put that card in the welcome, or excuse me, in the offering plate as it comes by you, or take it out to the welcome desk at the end of this service, and we have a free gift for you if you're our guest here today. Well, as the video stated, today we are celebrating all women in our lives. Grandmas, mothers, aunts, sisters, friends, anyone who's nurtured us throughout our life. We're so thankful for them. And we want to celebrate because they're special to us, but also because God commands it in Exodus 20. And before Randy brings a message from that passage this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to read through that passage together responsively. So I'll read where it says leader, and then you respond. Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord your God holds Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant. Or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Thank you. You may be seated. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are just in awe of you this morning. It's so sweet to be in your presence. We thank you for your goodness and your greatness and your faithfulness to us. We praise you for all of the women that you have put in our lives. We just ask your blessing over them today. Help us to honor them, and I pray that you would bless them, not just today, but every day. 
We also know that today could be a very hard day for some for a variety of reasons. We ask for your love and your peace to surround those who are hurting today. Help us to be sensitive and to show your love and encouragement. Lord, we ask that you would just stir our hearts this morning as we hear from your word. We thank you for how you provide for us, protect us, forgive us, and bless us. And as we give our tithes and offerings this morning, we ask that you would fill us with joyful hearts that would give cheerfully and sacrificially, knowing that nothing we have belongs to us, but it all belongs to you. We ask that you would open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds as we hear from your word, that we would understand that your commands turn into promises that bring healing in our relationships. We thank you for Pastor Randy. Pray that you would give him your words to speak over us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Kirsten, and happy Mother's Day to everyone. I'm Randy. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We want to think especially of uh, our college students who are right in the midst of finals and maybe not able to get home to wish their moms happy Mother's Day. And we have one young lady, I think, who's here. Her name is Paula Marquez, and she has been an exchange student at... uh, Benton community from Spain. Paula, are you here? Where are you? Right here. Let's give her a hand of appreciation. So glad you're here. And your mother is the furthest away probably this morning. Yes. Well, good to have you. And thank you for coming to to our services. Uh, We had two students from Indonesia uh, here at their first service that are uh, students at Kirkwood, and they're leaving to go back tomorrow. So, uh, you know, uh, this Mother's Day, uh, it's great just to appreciate the women in our lives. I certainly do. Uh, My wife, uh, the influence of my mom, she's been gone about 19 years now, but my daughter, I've got two daughters-in-law, they're just uh, wonderful people that have blessed my life. But let's admit it, uh, Mother's Day can be a painful thing, especially in light of what's going on in our country today. I'm thinking specifically of the school shootings. Can you imagine mothers who've lost children in a school shooting and the pain that causes the family? And not only that, can you imagine mothers of students who do the shooting? And it's not just the crisis itself, but the mental health issues that led up to it that sometimes are years long where a parent has tried their best to help their child. Mother's Day can remind us of broken relationships. That's why it's good that two weeks ago we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Because in Jesus, we find someone who came to this planet, the only one who could live up to the perfection of God, and he was broken so we could be healed. 
What we're going to learn this morning is that our broken relationships are really a symptom of a deeper issue that Jesus came to wrestle with. A long time ago, the children of Israel fled to Egypt to escape famine. After a period of hundreds of years, they became slaves in Egypt. There was a man out on Mount Sinai who received this spoken word from God at a burning bush, and God said to Moses, I am who I am, and I'm choosing you to lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt to the promised land. And he said, here's how you'll know this is true. Someday you will worship with the children of Israel on this mountain, Mount Sinai. The Lord did exactly as he promised. Moses became the spokesperson for God, along with his brother Aaron. Great miracles happened. All the gods of Egypt capitulated before the only God, the God of the heavens. God rescued his people in the great Passover. They sacrificed a lamb. The children of Israel put it on the doorpost. The angel of death bypassed them and the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. Led to the Pharaoh saying, please leave us. As they fled, they came to this river and they knew they were going to die at the hands of the Egyptian soldiers who came chasing them. But God opened a door for them to pass through. And they came into the wilderness. They came to Mount Sinai finally. And when we read this in the book of Exodus, we find the children of Israel gathered around this mountain. In Exodus 19, there are, there's an amazing display of the holiness of God in thunder and lightning People are frightened to death. God says, don't even come near the mountain or you'll die. Don't even allow your animals to come near the mountain or they will die. God called Moses up that mountain, Mount Sinai, and gave him 10 commandments. We're going to look at these today because the resurrected Jesus said that all of the law, the prophets and the Psalms point to me. Last week we looked at this in Luke 24. Jesus was telling his disciples as he was resurrected from the dead and appeared to them in person. He said, you know, the law, which is the first five books of the Bible, the prophets and the Psalms all point to me. And he said, what they point to is the suffering that I would experience as a Messiah. We're going to look at that. They point to my resurrection, and they point to the good news of the gospel, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will go out to the nations, and that people will be forgiven of their sins through the work of Jesus Christ, and the byproduct will be the healing of the nations. You see, our relational problems have a deeper issue within our hearts. And that's why Jesus came. Now, most people think of the law, which is what we're going to look at today, as the Ten Commandments. And many people don't like them. 
other people don't even think they're relevant. I'm thinking of uh, one of the well-known people in our country named Ted Turner. Anybody ever hear of him? He started uh, Cable News Network, which we know as CNN. Uh, others of us uh, know him because he was married to a famous movie star for a while. But uh, Ted Turner did not like the Ten Commandments. He thought they were outmoded and irrelevant. And here's what he said. He said, I bet here nobody pays attention to them because they're too old. Commandments are out, Ted Turner said. And so he proposed ten voluntary initiatives as an alternative, which include helping the downtrodden, that's a good thing, loving and respecting planet Earth, okay, and limiting families to two children. Now Cindy and I have broken that rule. But uh, a lot of people feel like he does, that the Ten Commandments really have no place. Uh, Other people who are maybe have a deep religious background believe that the Ten Commandments are like a, a ladder to get us to heaven. If we just keep these Ten Commands, and we can because we're so great, uh, we'll stand before God someday in judgment and we'll say, you know, I, I did my best to keep them and God's going to say, okay, come on in. Such is not the case. The Ten Commandments are not a ladder to heaven. I like what Colin Smith, a pastor in Chicago, said. He said, God was not saying, I'm giving these to you that you may become my people. He was saying, I'm giving these to you because you already are my people. In other words, because of the great Passover and God calling his people out of Egypt to the promised land, they've already been redeemed, and now he's giving them his covenant rules for human flourishing. That's why he gave it. Our salvation is not in the Old Testament by the Ten Commandments and the New Testament by grace. Salvation has always been by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so even the uh, great uh, reformers, as they were writing the catechisms, like Martin Luther, Luther's Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism used by the Reformed Church, the Westminster Confession of Faith, all of them include the Ten Commandments, not under sin and salvation, but under sanctification, one of the means that we use in order to walk with God. So I want to bring that up because somehow the law points to Jesus. Somehow the Ten Commandments points to Jesus And when we understand that these commands bring us to see they're actually promises of God, the byproduct is that relationships can be healed. God can do something with our relationships. So in order to help us, I would like to give you four ways that the law helps us. These are things that will be very helpful and you might want to take notes. First of all, oh, by the way, the Apostle Paul was trying to correct that misunderstanding of the law being like a ladder when he wrote Galatians. He says in chapter 2, verse 16, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God 
because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying his law. And we're going to find that out as we look at these four things. So first of all, I would suggest to you that the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, teach us as a telescope of the magnificent glory of God. The law of God is like a telescope that magnifies God's glory. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God is so small that we need a telescope to see Him. The case is that our spiritual eyes are so blind we can't see His glory. And so God has given us this law in order for us to see His attributes, to see His character. Let me give you some examples from your Bible. I hope you have your Bible open with me to Exodus chapter 20. The first command, you shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, I am the only God. There is no other God. Don't make an image. What's he saying? Making a physical expression distracts from my glory. That's exactly what people in America do today. Oh, when I think of God and they've got a mix and match of a bunch of things they've gathered together, this is how I think of God. And when they say, this is how I think of God, everything that follows is not God. Honor your parents. God is saying that all fatherhood derives from Him and that all authority is His. No adultery. Don't commit adultery. He's saying that He is pure, holy, and faithful. No stealing. He's saying, I am trustworthy and generous. Don't bear false witness. He says, I am the truth. Don't covet. He's saying, I am at peace and content in myself. Now, when we see God as the law using a telescope to see him and as who he really is, that doesn't sit well with us as human beings because we like to be our own gods. We don't like someone telling us how to live. I mean, that was the original situation with Adam and Eve. You can be like God. Oh, I'd like to do that. And we're the same. We've inherited that sinful nature. And so that leads us to the second reason for the law. It's not only to magnify God and who He is, but the law is an x-ray which exposes our hearts. So much of the way we try to manage things in life is through behavior modification. And God knew that we had a deeper problem than behavior modification. We've got a problem internally in a heart. And so the law is like an x-ray that exposes our true nature. I like how John Calvin said it, the law is like a mirror. We look at the mirror and we see the blemishes on our face, we know we've got to deal with the dirt on our face. That's what the law does. And it exposes many things, but I want to mention two. The x-ray of the law exposes our lack of love 
We don't love God. We don't love others. Jesus showed us this. He summarized the law. Please note, he's not reducing the law. Some people say, oh, see, Jesus talked about love, 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 love. So that's it. You know, no more, we're not under law, we're under grace. Well, that's not the case. Jesus summarized the law, showing the intent of it when he said in Mark 12, verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love God, commandments 1 through 4. Love your neighbor, commandments 5 through 10. So, I mean, let's just be honest. If God were to take a thermometer and put it in our spiritual heart, would our hearts be burning hot for God? Do we love Him above all things? Or do we get obsessed with something more than Him? One of the reformers said, our, our hearts are like an idol factory. We're pumping out idols that we bow down and worship more than God. We don't love God. I mean, who would here would say, I love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Yes, we want to as Christians. But we fail to love Him perfectly like He requires and loving our neighbor is ourselves. We love our cars, our bank accounts, our careers, our popularity. And as a result, we have broken relationships because we don't love people as we should. I mean, let's be honest here. The law <laughs> exposes our lack of love. And like an x-ray, it also exposes our inability to live up to the law. Let's just look at this. Commandments 1 through 4 speak of loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let's just see how we do. No other gods before Him. Do we love Him above all things? No images. He knew we'd have trouble with authentic worship. When I think of God, I think of this. And he said, no, that's an image. It's like the totem. The totem is you kind of collect the ideas of your culture and you put it on a totem pole and then you bow down and worship it. That's how we do it. He said, that's not going to work. Don't misuse my name. He said, don't, don't use my name in a disrespectful way. Don't use my name to get what you want. Don't use my name as a way of entitlement. Don't use my way to promise something that you're not going to fulfill. Oh, I swear on the Bible. Never intending to do it. Remember the Sabbath. Well, we battle over giving God our time. Even to come one hour to worship. Seems like an imposition, but we better do it. That's us, isn't it? That's us. I'm, I'm pointing to myself. And I'm the pastor. <laughs> and then we get to the commands 5 through 10. Loving our neighbors ourselves. Honoring our parents. Jesus talked about this. He said, you religious people, you think, you know, you say you honor your parents, but you're ripping them off. And how do we do that? I mean, 
every uh, student in this room chafes at the idea of obeying their parents. Now, if your parents are not obeying God and trying to seek to live for God, of course you can't obey them if they want you to do something that's wrong. But we're to honor them, respect them, care for them. Don't murder. Jesus took every one of these commands, all ten of them, and intensified them by drawing attention to the heart. So we say, don't murder. Jesus said, if you are angry with your brother and call him a name, that is murder. We have our respectable sins, you know. And, oh, I'm not guilty of the big ones. But then we rake over our kids with our anger. God says that's murder. Don't steal. Are we consistent with personal integrity? Or do we take advantage? Advantage of our company? Doing social media when we're supposed to be working? One day I was thinking... I'm glad that I'm not a stealer. I don't steal things. And then I was sitting at my desk at home and I pulled the drawer open and it was filled with pens that said Stonebridge Church. (laughs) And I I started to get rid of some of my books and I find all these names of people that loaned me their books. (laughs) Don't give false testimony. That's a battle for honesty. You know, how do we give false testimony? By exaggerating, by gossiping, by undermining someone's reputation? And social media is filled with this, even by people who profess to be Christians. My brothers and sisters, that is bearing false testimony. I was, I was so shocked this week. I was at a Gospel Coalition event with a bunch of pastors. Colin Hansen from Gospel Coalition was speaking. He said, and he deals with a lot of pastors, he said that from 1999 to 2014, there has been a 24% increase in death by suicide by pastors. And he said, why? We have more mental health opportunities than ever before. It is no longer a stigma to talk about your anxiety and depression. And pastors have the resources of the Word of God. Why? And we're not sure yet, but he gave a possibility, and I know mental health experts are looking at this, the link between social media and the growing increase of suicide amongst all areas of our population. Much of it related to bearing false witness. I don't know about you, but I'm really convicted by that. What comes out of my brain through my fingers onto the computer and out to the world? That's too convicting. Let's go on to don't covet. This is a battle to be content. Again, social media strikes that chord of jealousy in us. We've got a problem afflicting us today. It's called FOMO. Have you heard about the FOMO disease? The fear of missing out. 
Someone posts something on, on Instagram or in, on Facebook and they're having this great time in some exotic place and we go, oh, why can't I be doing that? Fear of missing out. We are a discontent people. Coveting is really an example of worshiping something more than God. Part of our problem is we don't know how bad the problem is. Imagine you go to the dentist, and the dentist says, okay, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. My teeth are great. Okay, let's do an x-ray. All right. Dentist takes the picture, and he comes back in, and he says, oh, you have a terrible problem. You've got rotting going on under your gum lines. And you say, whoa, I don't think so. I feel great. My teeth feel good. I had steak last night. No problem. And the doctor says, x-rays don't lie. The law doesn't lie. We are guilty of breaking the law of God. Pain has a purpose, and when we feel pain, that's a warning that something's wrong. But we go about life without even knowing something's wrong unless we come back to the law of God. It functions as an x-ray of our true spiritual condition. A mighty, powerful, all-holy God and we who are not. You say, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty painful news. And it would be very despairing were it not for the third use of the law. It's not only a telescope to magnify God's glory, and it's not only an x-ray to expose our guilt, but it is also a teacher that leads us to Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus meant when he saw the law, the prophets, the Psalms point to me. Paul said the law is good. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And he said this because in Galatians 3.24, let me put it another way, the law was our guardian until Christ came, that is a teacher. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. The law points to Jesus. This is why the Ten Commandments came after the Passover. Remember from the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal. There was death and blood so that they could be covered with animal skins and be right with God. And then there was the Passover. And then came the instructions on building the tabernacle, which is the majority of the book of Exodus, and the Ark of the Covenant, on which the mercy seat sat. Blood sprinkled on that mercy seat through the death of animals to atone for sin. All of that pointed to Jesus as the only one who has the way to cleanse our guilty hearts. Sometimes pride gets in the way of understanding the law. Jesus poked at religious people just like you and me in John chapter 5. He said, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But he said, the Scriptures point to me. And you refuse to come to me that you may receive this life. You see, we have a tendency to want to work our way to God. The latter. And he says, no performance will help. We stand condemned. And apart from Christ, we have no hope. 
I found help. I can't remember who the author is now who described this, but he, he said, imagine you're in an airplane and the flight attendant comes down and says, hey, uh, we think that you should have this because you may need it. What is it? Well, it's this bulky pack called a parachute. Uh, yeah, you should put this on, it'll help you. Okay, my best life now, I'll put that parachute on. You put that parachute on and, you know, you know it's really uncomfortable. You can't lean back in your seat and, and then somebody walks by, spills coffee on you and you can't get up to brush it off. You know, it's just, just miserable. I don't need this thing and you take off the parachute. Worthless. But imagine this. Let's say the flight attendant comes down and says, you need to know this plane is cracking up. We're entering some really difficult terrain here. We think we may go down. The only way you're going to survive this is if you put on this parachute. I would suggest you put it on now because in a few minutes we may be really entering a place where this plane is going to go down. Now, what is your attitude at that point? Oh, yes, let me put the parachute on. Yes, let me, let me put it on right now. Somebody walks by, still spills coffee. No big deal. No big deal. You see, that's why Scripture says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our only hope because we have a holy God and hearts that are sin-sick. And our only hope is that this law points to Jesus who alone lived up to it. We could never live up to that law, but Jesus did. And because he was willing to be pulverized physically and forsaken on the cross, he is able through his death and resurrection to forgive those who repent and trust in him. You see how the law is like a teacher pointing to Jesus? The law exposes our guilt, but the law also points us to Jesus. And one of the fruits of being forgiven is the healing of relationships. And that leads us to the fourth use of the law, and that's that the law is like a train track <laughs> that provides direction for life. When we repent of our sins, own up to our inability to keep God's holy law and stand in His holy presence, and He forgives us, we now have the capacity to come back to His law and see it in a positive way. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of this in Ezekiel 36, 26. He wrote these immortal words. God is speaking and he says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Isn't that beautiful? God gives us His Spirit 
so that we now can obey His law. And we begin to look at it in a positive way. There is a Puritan author named Samuel Bolton who said, the law sends us to the gospel that we may be justified, that is, saved, made right in God's eyes, and then the gospel sends us back to the law again to inquire what our duty is in being justified. That's beautiful. The law becomes something of great worth because the Spirit of God is giving us a new desire to keep it. Colin Smith, in his book, described a Bible teacher, Charles Price, and he was talking about a man who he knew who had been in prison for theft. And uh, while he was in prison, he was wonderfully converted. Somebody shared the gospel with him, and he repented of his sins and trusted in Jesus. And he was so happy when he was able to get out of prison, but he was worried that he'd go back to his own life, old life. And so he decided, I'm going to go to church because that's the place where I can find Christian friends and hear the truth. First Sunday back in the church he finds, he looks at the front of the church, and there are the Ten Commandments posted. And he's looking up at the Ten Commandments, and he's thinking, Thou shalt not steal. And he felt so condemned. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to go back to my old life. Thou shalt not steal. And then as he sat and prayed and listened to the word and sang the hymns, this message came to him, a sense from the Holy Spirit, you shall not steal. You shall not steal because I made you new in Jesus. My spirit will give you the strength to overcome this habit of stealing. And all of a sudden, he looked at the law and thought, this is not a condemnation for me. Now that I'm in Christ, this is a promise. You will not steal any longer. You will not commit adultery any longer. You will not be angry and hurt your brother any longer. You see, the law is intended by our God as an affirmation, and we being changed by the Spirit of God now delight in the law. We love the law. Do you see it? This is why we need the law as a way in which we draw near to God. There's another uh, great hymn writer named William Cowper, and he wrote a, a book called Love Constraining to Obedience, and he wrote something that really encourages us. He said, to see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into a choice. We hear so much in our culture, a woman's right to choose, a man's right to choose. And all of those choices lead right back into slavery because our hearts have not been changed. And so many Christians fall into this. I'm a Christian, but I live with my girlfriend. Whoa! I'm a Christian, but I yell and scream at my kids. 
I'm a Christian, but who cares if I take a little bit from the company? They owe it to me. And God says, no, no, no. When you repent of your sins and trust in me and my spirit comes into you, you delight. You define your life by my word and my spirit, not by your own choices. Do you see it, my brothers and sisters? You say, wow, this is a heavy message. Yes, that's, we need it. We need a view of who God is. We need to know who we really are so that we can repent. And the Bible says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and He will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, what a Savior! Hallelujah, what a Savior. And you can't imagine that when our hearts are finally set free to do what we ought to do, not just what we want to do, but what we ought to do, when our hearts are set free by the Spirit of God, relationships are healed. People come together that are mad at each other. Husbands and wives stick together when they're tempted to divorce. Children see a radical change in their parents and they want to live for Christ. That's why we're here. All sinners, no perfect people allowed in this room, just us sinners, saved by the blood of the Lamb to live and delight in His law. As we close, I'd invite you to look on the back of your sermon outline because I included a prayer there from Colin Smith. Let's just pray through this together. And you can fill in the blanks in the quietness of your heart to the Lord. Dear Father, thank you for giving me your Ten Commandments to reveal your glory so I can worship you. You know how I battle with Go ahead and name it. Maybe for you it's pornography, anger, bearing false witness, murder through your words. Name it. And in doing so, I break your command to name the command. Father, give me victory in this area. I can't do it on my own. I need the power of your Holy Spirit who abides in me. Thank you for Christ's work on the cross that enables me to stand before you forgiven and cleansed. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.